This is Mid-Missouri's Total Sports Station. KTGR, and it's time to get big. That was a big-time answer right there. You've got the big show with Andy and Brent serving up sports talk from Mizzou to the pros. And everything in between. Join us now on the KTGR hotline and sound off on today's biggest stories in sports. The big show starts now. You bet it does. Welcome into this Wednesday edition of The Big Show on ESPN 100.5 and 105.1 KTGR, your total sports station in mid-Missouri. Thanks for tuning in online at KTGR.com and on the KTGR app. It's Andy Humphrey and Brendan Chaper here. No producer Chris this week. But hey, we continue on and we get set for... The first wild card weekend or the first playoff weekend in the NFL. And per usual, we like to rank things. We like to go a top five, bottom five, Brendan, as we like to do on this show. And this time it is Super Bowl contenders. So it, just forget about the teams that have missed the playoffs. We're just focusing on the, uh, the, the 14 teams that are in. Man, I really wanted to, uh, you know, to to rank the Falcons as a Super Bowl contender. I really thought they had a uh, thought they had it in them aside from not being in the bracket. Well, I mean, their chances did go up when they fired Arthur Smith. So I I suppose that despite not being right. in the playoffs, they, <laughs> right. they got closer to the Super Bowl by getting rid of that guy. Uh no, unfortunately, Brendan, we won't be including the Falcons in this. We'll only be focusing on the 14 NFL playoff teams. Uh, 12 of which will be playing this weekend. But we'll get to that at 5.05, our top five, bottom five Super Bowl contenders. We will talk in a few minutes about Mizzou men's basketball. Just didn't have enough gas yesterday against Kentucky. What does it mean? What do we think about uh, the future now? Uh, give us your thoughts at 875-KTGR. And we're going to talk some NFL playoffs, too, with Matt Hamilton of FanDuel TV at 425. Great to chat with uh, Hammer as he gets set to... Uh, cover all things playoffs, and they'll be at the Super Bowl in Las Vegas when it comes around. So great to get the perspective of Matt Hamilton at 425. But you can join us with a call or a text at 875-KTGR. You can also tweet us at KTGR Big Show and find us on Facebook, too, at Facebook.com slash KTGR Big Show. Now the Big Show's Big Deal. Back-to-back losses to start out conference season. For Mizzou men's basketball, they actually shot pretty well yesterday for most of the game at Kentucky, but ultimately the Cats prevailed 90-77. to Tigers had 20 points from Noah Carter, 19 from Sean East, 18 from Tamar Bates, but not many other offensive contributors as they fall to 8-7 and overall and 0-2 and in the SEC. And they'll have another tough test against a solid South Carolina team on Saturday for their next conference matchup. It does not get easier for Mizzou men's hoops as they try to shake off this losing skid that they're on, now losing five of their last six games. Tipped off at 2.30 on Saturday afternoon. Pre-game begins at 2 o'clock right here on KTGR where you can tune in for all the fun. And Tiger Talk is tonight from 6 to 8. And that's the big show's big deal. On this 10th day of January 2024, 875-KTGR, if you want to call or text us. I really don't know if there was anything unexpected that happened in this game, Brendan. It, it was pretty much to the book what we thought would happen. 
Yeah, I mean, I think Mizzou ended as like uh, 11 and a half point underdogs or so, so not quite covering the spread, but basically that exact style of game that Vegas expected and, and the, the style of game that I think we expected. Like, I'll be honest with you, I watched it cover to cover. I kind of felt like Mizzou played to their capabilities almost. I don't know if that's something to be excited about or disappointed in, given that their capabilities this season seems to be a double-digit loss on the road to Kentucky. Kentucky's a really good team, but like you mentioned, they, they Mizzou shot the ball pretty well in the first half to go into halftime down 47-42, to 42, high scoring, not a lot of defense in terms of uh, what Mizzou was able to conjure, but offensively they played okay, and in the second half just kind of ran out of steam to really make a game out of it. Like, rarely in, in the last year or so since Dennis Gates arrived have I been able to watch a Mizzou game Mizzou loses by double digits, and I watch it and go, I, w- I wasn't, like, angry at anything that happened. It was just, like, the kind of game you thought would play out, and Mizzou maybe even played a little better than I would have expected them to play. But what? am I brainwashed? What's going on? Because no. they lost by 13. Like, that's how I felt about it. But why, shouldn't I be upset? Shouldn't I be angry at the way that game played out? And I wasn't. Here's the thing. Coming into that game, Kentucky was averaging 91 points per game. Mizzou was averaging 77 points per game. The final score was 90 to 77. Both teams were pretty much average in their offensive scoring numbers like that as they were all season long. And they just both did what they did on offense and guess what? Kentucky's a lot better on offense than Mizzou is. Yeah, and I think I looked at like the way the game played out and some of the things, the elements that I've been hoping to see from this team actually got a glimpse of, like Noah Carter. How about the game from him offensively? Scored 20 points, uh, went three for seven from three. I think he made the first three attempts that he had, yeah. so didn't hit a three thereafter, but six for 12 from the field. Um, I, 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 he played with a little bit more purpose, I thought, and I enjoyed watching it. I enjoyed Tamar Bates kind of continuing to, to be a scorer for Mizzou with 18 points. Um, you know, the, it's just too few and far between, Andy, is kind of where it comes from. You had three guys that had 18-plus points for the Tigers, and after that, you, you didn't have anybody else get into the double digits. Nick uh, Nick Honor had eight points, and beyond that, you had nobody else score more than four. So is that just yeah. as simple as it is for Mizzou this year? Like, you have very limited resources and, and sources of scoring, and it's just going to be, I don't know, the way that it is. It's it's kind of a hard way to win, but it seems like you got a very good picture of what Mizzou basketball was this year in this game. And I, like I said, I'm not sure if that's complimentary or if that's something to be going, eh, it's unfortunate because they, they did lose by 13 points on the road. Yeah, look, the bench. Bench points. You need contributions there. I mean, I think we pretty much know what Mizzou's starting lineup is going forward. Unless there's something completely unforeseen uh, somebody stepping up big time for who's not a starter right now out of the five that we've seen. I think we've seen the same starting five for the last few games or so of, you know, Bates, Honor, Shaw, Carter East. And that's, that's your group mainly. And they're going to get the bulk of the time, but nobody else. I mean, they started playing a few guys a little bit more. Carol Arrow had 19, po- uh, 19 minutes. Van Over had 14 minutes. Tanjay played 12. No idea what's happening with John Tanjay, by the way. Like, is he hurt? Is he not hurt? I have no he freaking clue. He didn't look good to my eyes, Andy. Like, yeah. just in the 12 minutes that he had, I just kind of, like, maybe that's where he is in the rotation. Uh, he was supposed to come in and be a scorer, right? But, like, I don't know if you can even elevate to that that spot of your game with, like, he didn't 
take a field goal attempt. It's just bizarre. No. It's just kind of strange. Like that's not the role that we thought he'd play. So like that, add that to the growing list of whether it's questions or concerns. Like you mentioned, Carolero gave him some some solid minutes, um, but they shortened the rotation. Like I'll, I'll say that. Like you you got pretty much the five starters that you mentioned: Carolero, Tanjay, mm-hmm. and Vanover. And then beyond that, just three other guys played, and one of them was Jackson Francois, just getting on the court briefly. Kurt Lewis mixed in a little bit, and Mabor Majak got eight minutes, which I don't know if that was just a desperation ploy. Like, when you play Majak and Vanover more than you expected to see either, maybe that's just an element of, like, we know Kentucky's got size, and let's just throw him out there and see what happens. Put a big guy out there and just try and defend. I... That's but that was your rotation and maybe part of that no Anthony Robinson and if he were fully healthy and and not with the non COVID illness you might see him mix in more as the year goes but you know no Trent Pierce Jordan Butler like they shorten the rotation I don't know what to make of it it's they're just going to come up a little short this year Andy and that's a tough place to be in an SEC that top to bottom is pretty strong like you even said South Carolina coming up that's not one of the teams we thought would be good coming into the year and they. Like they're off to a really hot start. They lost twice. They is... they picked up their second loss of the year last night at what was it Alabama? They went to Alabama and got crushed. But but they've got a conference win. Like they, they beat Mississippi yeah. State on Saturday. So like that's a game that Mizzou's probably not supposed to win at this point. I don't know where you're picking up the conference wins, and it's just I, I it's a helpless thing because I, it's a lack of the personnel. I think that they need to execute the plan that Dennis Gates wants to see put forth. And I don't know if it's any more complicated than that. There's no spite in it. It's just kind of where they're at. We knew they could take a step back this year. We knew it was likely that they would, but to to this extent is just kind of, I don't know. It's disappointing, but it's getting beyond the point. Like I was exasperated for a little while about Mizzou basketball because I thought, no, I'm, I'm, I'm clinging to what they were last year. It was so much fun and everybody was invested I worry a little bit about the idea that the investment won't be there to that level this year because I think they're go- there's going to be a lot of games in conference play where we talk about, yeah, they just came a little bit short. They played to their capabilities, and they still lost. Like, where are we at? You know, that's a tough spot to be. And, and I didn't think we'd be to this. I knew it would get worse. I knew it wouldn't be the Kobe Brown and Des Moines Hodge era of Mizzou basketball. But I didn't, I didn't think this was coming so quickly. Well, it's a harsh hit of reality all of a sudden, where you have to make sure you're restocking every single year to almost the same degree if you want to uh, hang in this league because they were talking about it last night on on the broadcast a little bit, how strong the SEC is. Right now, it's I really believe good. yeah, if I believe Joe Lenardi is uh, projections for, for bracketology, I believe the SEC would have the most teams uh, it will. out of all yeah. of the conferences. And, and to be saying that today, I... I thought there might be a day where that happens, but right now, 2024, my goodness, it's happened to, really quickly. And to know that Missouri isn't one of them, Andy. Yeah. Like, if we had said in March, like right after the NCAA tournament in March, hey, next year, the SEC, that's the way that league is going to be viewed. We go, man, you know, Mizzou's going to be right in the thick of it. And they're not. They're an afterthought as we sit here today. And I just legitimately don't know what can change it. And, like, I could accept that. I think I could accept that for a year in my Mizzou fandom. But in the the modern era of transfer portal and NIL and everything that goes into that, is there a flicker in the back of your mind that says this is going to cost them? Like, to have a, a setback year, could that unravel some of the momentum? Like, you can't 
Like, you can't conjure it from nothing. If there's going to be program momentum, Dennis Gates kind of did conjure it from nothing last year, but it, it became a tournament run. What's the next year going to look like? Like, how do they how do they track it? How do they get back on track if this ends up being the kind of year that it seems right now that it could be? That's well, where I'm kind of struggling. It's hard to view it in this era of college sports, but I don't think the stink has completely washed off from that first year that Dennis Gates had. I think it's still sellable. Like if you're like what you're asking, I guess is they're they're saying okay, next year when Dennis Gates has to go and maybe get one or two transfers, try to get somebody who can be a cornerstone with experience. Uh, you're, he's going to be surrounded by young guys. You have to find a stabilizing force to make sure that you don't have a repeat of what's going on right now. Is that is that basically what you're asking? What's the selling yeah, because, point now? Yeah, because if this season is, what do they play, 18 conference games? 18 like, conference is, games. If this is 4-14 four and 14 or 5-13 and 13 and you're looking, like, I know what the recruiting class is and those guys have signed and everything, but what, you know, what do you sell? Because I, I think you need to have it be this year and then you sell the top 10 recruiting class coming in you sell that to the transfers and say, hey, these guys are freshmen, but they're going to mix in and we're going to build something here. I notice you've got two years or three years of eligibility, Mr. Transfer. Come on in and be a part of, of you know, something that we're going to build here over the next two years. Like, he could sell that for the following season, but is anybody going to be buying it if this is a 4-14, and 5-13 and 13 conference year? The, the right fit, I think, could. I mean, yeah. you have a selling point possibly of look you got a bunch of young guys they're still learning they're still developing they've got talent they're going to be a huge part of our future guess what in 24 25 you've got a chance to be the guy you can be the guy that they all revolve around that's what mizzou's missing this year is that they didn't have the guy that that everybody plays off of essentially yeah it demands demands attention from uh, the the opposing scout essentially everybody makes sure that they hone in on him but then that opens up Nick Honor that opens up Noah Carter that opens up Tamar Bates like I just that's what they missed they tried to go after that guy in the portal didn't get him and I I still think it's possible though that you can see like look what look what we were if the Tigers do end up you know uh, catching a few teams here and there. Like, if they pick off one of these opponents at home, like, uh, they're going to have a bunch of tough opponents. But let's say, you know. They're not going to go winless, though. They're not going to go winless. No, they won't go winless. They'll pick off, you know. I have no idea. I'm not predicting it at all. No, no. Don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. If they, if on February 20th, they take down Tennessee at home, like, you can sell that and say, look what we were able to do, but we weren't quite a complete unit. Guess who the missing piece is? You. Come on in. Let's build something big. But do you think they need a signature win to do that, or is it is it enough to just get the the a few of the coin flips at home and say, you know, we went six and twelve, but we. I mean, the 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 one signature win has to be coupled with more. I'm not saying it's just that that you go and get, yeah. but I mean, it, it, that does kind of flip your math a little bit, though. If you're getting that win, then all of a sudden it gets you closer to. 500 than you maybe were expected to be so it it does have to come with other work you're right but i i think they have to have they have to have an attention grabber uh, at the very end i think well the other thing i think you might need is to recognize 
which of the players on this roster are part of that. When you're selling it to transfers, you say, hey, the recruiting class coming in. You are a missing piece. Come on in, Mr. Transfer. And we've got a couple of holdovers, and here's what we envision for them to be part of that group. Are Is there a guy among that group, like an Anthony Roberts, Robinson as the season goes along, or a Trent Pierce, that we just see get a lot more opportunity at, when the point arrives that Gates yeah. goes, this isn't the year? Because even at 0-2 in conference play and losing 5 of 6, I don't know if the head coach should be in a mindset of like, yep, it's a lost year. We can see it as fans potentially, but like as the coach, maybe he's not quite ready to do that. But I think that's going to have to be a key to this is saying like, all right, what's eligibility look like? And let's invest in some of the guys that have more of it than others. And like, I know that Nick honor and, and Sean East are like two of the, the more relied upon guys. Does there come a point where they're redundant on the court together? And you could try to explore both of them could play plenty, but yeah. you could try to explore like, Hey, we may not uncover the other scorers unless we kind of force ourselves. Cause for all of the, the mixing and matching, I still feel like that's an alignment. We do see a fair bit of is, is those two point guards essentially out on the floor together. And Sean East can kind of create his own scoring opportunities. Nick Honor's not really going to do that. It, it, at least his way. It seems to me he'll, if he's got an open three, he'll take it, but he hasn't, you know, been maybe hitting on as many of those. So I wonder if that's maybe part of the calculus too, just to kind of find ways to, if you, at this point, the season's going to be what it is, but if you can uncover one or two guys and you could say, oh, it, the glimpse showed, the flash showed, and that's his role on next year's competitive team, I might count that as a win, but I wonder if you're able to do that if you continue playing the same kind of, you know, the, the, the East and honors together as often as maybe they have. Maybe. I, I mean, it, it's clear that they like that combination. I I agree with you that, you know, two guys on the floor like that that aren't going to have eligibility next year, they don't factor into your future. You have to find right. ways to get the other guys a little more acclimated. I don't know. It, it's almost stylistic, though, right? Because we, we thought Dennis Gates would come in and say, look, we – We've got a bunch of guys that can play positionless basketball. They're about the same size or maybe only a few inches difference uh, height-wise, and we're, we're looking at trying to defend all five positions and have that be our style of play. How much do both Nick Honor and Sean East really factor into that when they're both on the floor? I thought maybe we'd see a little bit more of that with a guy like Trent Pierce. But, again, there has to be some sort of consistency here. And it's hard to balance that with, well, we're still trying to win some of these games down the road on our schedule because right. uh, I, Dennis Gates, I think, played to certainly played with the guys that I think he trusts the most in that he situation. Tried to win that. I mean, he tried to win that yeah, game like with the he, way he played Go it. to Kentucky, hard place to play, get the experienced guys out there. Maybe the freshmen aren't quite ready for that yet, and so he decided to to use Mabor Majak maybe instead of Jordan Butler in that sense, and he decided to have 19 minutes for, for Carolero and, and Trent Pierce maybe not getting as much. But I, I think down the road, especially for home games, I think you can find some opportunities to carve out 10, 15 minutes. Give one of those guys some some real run in a game like that, and we'll see what comes of it. Yeah, and I think I agree with you in terms of the the freshman not playing as much because you take your shot at trying to win that game with where you were and where you are in this season, 
because stranger things have happened. And for a half of basketball, he, I, it, it, it almost sort of happened, right? You were playing Kentucky toe to toe, and you know, ultimately, you you came up a little bit short. But I think that's just the talent gap, and I think seeing that too can be valuable for Dennis Gates because it, it's another data point for him to evaluate where this team is at this point in what I, I think we have to constitute as a bit of a of a rebuild or at least a, a retool of some nature uh, with, with where Mizzou basketball stands. All right, 875-KTGR, if you want to call or text us with your thoughts on uh, on Mizzou men's basketball. It However, turns out it turns <laughs> out that we just spent the last, I don't know, 15 minutes talking about something that probably should not have been talked about for the last 15 minutes because of the news that just dropped. And, um, wow, uh, according to Chris Lowe of ESPN. It's everywhere now. Yeah. Nick Saban is retiring. Wow, that the Alabama wow. football guy that that Nick Saban, the yes huh. yes that Nick Saban. No, I'm talking he about the Nick bell. Saban who works over at uh, I don't know. He works at Gerbs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I have no idea. Um, He's a clerk. Yeah, exactly. Uh, after Nick uh, Saban. yes, end of an era as um as the as the cashier guy. Uh, yeah, Nick Saban apparently done, and he well. I, I gotta, I gotta say, it, it it's shocking to hear today. I, I I was never going to be ready for this kind of news when it actually did happen. I am not at all surprised though. Like, I, I also I I kind of heard it in his voice a little bit too, with you know talking about the way things are changing in college sports and and things of that nature. But um, I I can't say I'm all that surprised. I mean, it's shocking because it was always going to be the end of an era when it happened. But I would have said, I would say, I would have been more in tune with it a year ago when you know it, it seems like the notion of when he was it was reported that he was maybe eyeing ESPN and maybe one of those analyst gigs, and and that was a couple of years old in terms of the the news. But it was like, oh yeah, you can kind of see the writing on the wall for what could be next. And then, Andy, you get the SEC championship, and you get the crack at it. You get the opportunity. You're in the, the playoff for one more shot at it, and it just – they fell short. And at that point, you know, if your heart and your head's not in it anymore, he's 72 years old, do you take another year and say, well, you know, 12-team playoff, maybe we get back there, or is it just is it just time at a certain point in time? And I think that's probably what happened with Nick Saban because – it's been several years since he comp- contemplated it the first time. And so 72 years old, it's not a spring chicken anymore. And so there it is. And there will be ramifications across college football as a result of this, of this news. Oh, big time. I mean, just, it, it's honestly kind of flooring to me to, uh, to, to see this run end without him uh, going out on top. Right. Yeah. Don't you think yeah. that would have been the way that, was supposed to happen and uh, it, yeah it, it made me think like okay he's gonna he's gonna give it one more go like georgia starting to see maybe a few cracks in their foundation he still can he still can show that he can win that game at the very end and get the leg up on him maybe that's what he wanted i hey i beat georgia nobody I beat nobody georgia that and i, I didn't need to it. right exactly i i don't know man um but wow I'm I'm still kind of trying to process it. It's it's pretty pretty shocking to, for it to happen now. From from where I stand, who replaces him? Golly, 
Mike Rabel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, the Alabama dynasty would be dead in Andy's eyes. No, that's a really interesting question. Like, they surely Alabama internally has had to be considering, like, all right, if ever, when, I mean, eventually, the man's not immortal. Like, eventually, we'll have to make we'll have to make a hire for a football coach. Yeah, and I I am fascinated to see who might be on that list. They're gonna be picky too, right? I mean, I think it. Ha- I think I think the. I think it happens very quickly. I think really? they already. Yeah, Ooh, I don't okay. Think it, because okay, if he's retiring, now it is strange to. I mean, he waited till after the national championship and announced it. I maybe yeah. the timing of that is not strange at all because even losing in the the semifinal round, he doesn't want to be. I why become the distraction? Let let the season play out and then announce it two days later. So really, not a delay. Alabama's known for some time. That's you know that's where I'm I'm going to leave this. They've known for uh, you know we'll probably eventually get that reported as to when the decision was made and yeah. when Alabama was informed. But I bet they've known for a while and they have had time to prepare. And so I I'm not saying it's going to be today that you you see the reports leak as to who it is. But I wouldn't even surprise me if it's this week. You know, just they've they've got a list. They've those. Those processes have probably begun unless it's a guy who's coaching for an NFL playoff team and they haven't been able to talk to him. But I just can't. I, none of those none of those names make sense, right? Like an assistant right. on an NFL team, you're not going to be the head coach of a playoff team and drop back down to college even for the Alabama job. Alabama was a really good job, but Nick Saban made Alabama the job that it is now. So for somebody else to take it over, I assume it would. I, I assume it would come from the collegiate ranks. Um, and I bet they've already got their guy kind of lined up. Maybe there's already tweets out there of who they're considering. I haven't, you know, uh, we're just yeah. catching this we'll, news we'll try to, on the air, but we'll try to catch up as we can. Uh, well, I'm looking but... at, wait, wait a minute. Wait, I'm looking at trending topics. I'm Let's... looking at trending topics. The first trending topic, of course, on my Twitter feed is Nick Saban right below his name is Lane Kiffin. Oh yeah. I'm seeing that too. as a trending topic. So like this, well, could get... <laughs> well, <laughs> this could get... It's going to get fun. This could get it's fun. Get fun. Uh, we'll talk more about it a little later on the show. But uh, okay, give us your thoughts. Nick Saban retiring, 875-KTGR. I'll quickly say, and I have no reason to suspect. I just want to get it out there. Don't don't look Eli's way. Just keep him in a bunker. Oh, wow. Keep him in, keep him in a bunker. <laughs> oh, look, I already, they already lost one coach that I didn't think there was any way he'd be leaving. So, look, that, that contract extension for drink, the numbers on that, I was like, that's a big contract. A contract. That's a, maybe there's a reason. Like, again, this is based on nothing, but I just wanted to get it out there and well, look I, look elsewhere. Yes, yes, uh, yeah, nothing to see here. Y'all need to <laughs> look over here. <laughs> okay. We will talk a lot more about that a little later on in the show, but we got to get to our good friend Matt Hamilton of uh, FanDuel TV, who gives us great insights whenever he does join us uh, on the NFL and especially right before the playoffs. We'll get his thoughts on Chiefs-Dolphins next year on The Big Show. You're listening to The Big Show Podcast on KTGR.com. We're back on The Big Show, KTGR, KTGR.com, and the KTGR app with Andy and Brendan. And joining us now on the KTGR hotline is our good friend, Matt Hamilton. You can find him over at FanDuel TV as a part of Up and Adams every weekday. And, of course, follow him on Twitter at MattHamilton25. Matt, appreciate you coming on, as always. Uh, 
this uh, playoff season uh, for the Chiefs is looking like one that may not look as uh, the same as uh, the last few years. But uh, I-, I wonder how you're looking at their their spot in the three seed with the way that they finished the season and whether or not they might be able to to pick themselves up this quickly uh, this week as they face the Dolphins. Well, Andy, first of all, appreciate you having me back on. Always love hopping on with you, but uh, yeah, it is. It's it's a little bit of a different feel than we're than we're used to uh, heading into this for the Chiefs. But I I kind of like the spot that they're in right now. I mean, in that AFC, there's really nobody outside of the Ravens look fantastic here down the stretch, uh, and they're getting a Dolphins team here uh, that is incredibly banged up. We know the conditions out there are supposed to be fr- absolutely frigid for Saturday night, um, which I think does play into the Chiefs' favor a little bit here. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, we heard Mahomes kind of talk about it yesterday where he thinks that they're going to be able to flip a switch here in the postseason. And with the way this defense is playing uh, and has played all year long, I, you know, I think in nationally – the Chiefs aren't really being considered a legitimate contender, even with Mahomes and with everything that they've done. But I really do think that uh, this team is still as dangerous as ever. Yeah, and if especially if they get the the pass catching uh, issues worked out, because it seems that's just been something that's held back the offense so much. I, I wonder, you know, with with how the offense has been trying to operate even through those issues, what you might be seeing out there on film, and uh, what's what, what might be holding the Chiefs back the most, whether it's just guys simply not catching the ball, or or, or just cohesiveness in general with the entire group. Yeah, and I, th- I think there's a few different factors here that have kind of built off of each other. I think, you know, we have seen the drops and the mistakes from the receivers, and I think some of that is, has caused Mahomes to press a little bit more than we've seen in the past. Um, he's trying to he's tried to force some bigger plays at points. He's tried to force some things that aren't necessarily there at, at points. And uh, part of the reason, too, sometimes things aren't there the way they used to be is I think uh, – some defenses have lost a little bit of the fear that they that they once had in the Chiefs. And we saw, you know, typically with Mahomes and his big playability, uh, with some of the speed that they've had out there in Tyreek Hill, it would have been, you know, looked at as kind of suicide to play man uh, against that offense. And now everybody's playing man against the Chiefs. And it's creating tighter throwing windows. It's creating plays where there's really nowhere to go with the football. And uh, that's what we've really seen consistently when the Chiefs have struggled. It's teams being really aggressive in coverage and playing man. And, uh, you know, I think there's ways to adjust to that, call some more man beaters. I think we've seen Rasheed Rice really getting better and better every single week. I think he's established himself as the number one in this offense. And uh, you're hoping that week off for Travis Kelsey in week 18 helps him get a little bit healthier and, and back to the Kelsey that we saw last year. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, hopefully this, you know, getting into the playoffs, the fresh start that we talk about uh, with teams getting into the playoffs, hopefully it makes Mahomes kind of realize, and he did say it yesterday, he's like, our defense is so good. You know, we don't need to score 40 points a game. We just need to score enough to win. And I think if they have that mentality offensively and, and stop trying to press, because really it's the turnovers and the critical mistakes that have held them back more than anything. 
um, number two defense in the league. You just have to hold on to the ball and score enough points to win. And it's something we haven't seen. We haven't seen them win that way in these paths to the Super Bowl, but it's something I think they can do. I think they're good enough on D. Matt Hamilton, producer and on-air host for FanDuel TV here on the big show, KTGR and KTGR.com. And and certainly they have shown that uh, defensively, that they're one of the better units in the NFL. But uh, against this Dolphins team, which we know for sure that their offense can be pretty explosive and and you have to watch out for their big play potential, uh, that's a really interesting matchup this weekend. Of course, uh, Miami's going to have to deal with the cold, and they're not used to that, not as used to it as the Chiefs. But what is... Kansas City's defense may be in for a little bit, uh, especially if maybe Jalen Waddle comes back or if uh, one of their other playmakers is back on the field. Yeah, and when they're when the Dolphins are at full strength, it's all about the speed. It's you know Mostert is one of the fastest running backs we have in the league, and Achan is right up there with him. Um, but, you know Mostert's status is in question, as you mentioned. Waddle's status is in question. Tyreek hasn't quite looked the same either. He's played through that ankle injury, but you can see it. He's not, you know, if he can get some of the straight line stuff done, he's not cutting the same way. Um, and it seems like there's a point in every game where, you know, he's down on the ground and it's, and it's, and it's killing him. So, um, you know, when they're at their, the peak of their powers, that speed is really, really dangerous. But that's the thing I'm seeing with this team right now. It's just that they've, you know, we talk about it as part of, part of making these Super Bowl runs is, being healthy at the right time, and the Dolphins are just they're a mess right now with all these injuries on both sides of the ball. Um, but if they get Waddle back, if they get Mostert back, that speed is going to be the biggest thing because you can bottle them up for 90% of the plays. <laughs> but if they get a couple of those big plays, that could be enough to kind of swing this game. Yeah, we'll see uh, what happens there as uh, Miami tries to get a little bit healthier and uh, the Chiefs defense trying to continue uh, their strong season into the playoffs. Now, uh, with that game being a, a pretty big swing one for the AFC playoff picture and and how the bracket could play out, I just wonder, because you mentioned earlier, it's just it seems wide open other than Baltimore. It seems that there's one team just far and away ahead of everybody else in that field, and it's just a matter of who they might be facing in the AFC championship game. But I wonder how much chaos you maybe expect before we, we get to that point, and, and if the Ravens do end up getting there, who might give them the biggest scare in the end? Yeah, it's a good question because, yeah, while things are kind of wide open, there are some teams that scare you. I mean, Cleveland, um, we've seen Cleveland beat Baltimore already this year. The way that Flacco's playing and airing it out and letting it rip and, and Amari Cooper and what they have going on defensively, I think that's a team that you can look at um, that has the potential to make a run. Um, I you know I think ultimately Flacco's turnovers are the biggest concern there because he is, well, he's putting up a ton of yards, throwing some touchdown bombs. He's, uh, he's a, little, a little loose with the football, and you think that's going to catch up with them eventually. But, um, but I do look at Cleveland as a team that I would not – want to face on on for a one game you know loser go home playoff situation uh that's a team that scares me a lot yeah we'll we'll certainly see what uh what happens with the browns and whether the ravens can handle them if that is in fact the matchup coming up uh next week uh on the nfc side matt i mean it seems like there's a very clear tier above uh you know the but below the three, four teams, there aren't too many teams that maybe have a huge chance to get to the championship game. But I just wonder how you maybe see the 
the three-headed monster, I suppose, of of the Niners, the Cowboys, and I guess if you put the Lions in that category over the Eagles at this point, it's been kind of crazy to yeah. see that happen. But uh, I think I would maybe have that three grouping and say, well, someone's going to be left out of the champ game. Not sure who. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd agree with you, and uh, it's um, it's interesting how everything has unfolded there because it looked like the Eagles were, you know, going to be the class of the NFC again, right up there with the Niners, and it's just falling apart on them. Um, and yeah, it's really going to be. I think we're looking at who's who's getting out at the right time, and I think uh, you know the Rams are certainly scary from that front with what they've done over the last month and a half of the season. Um, I still think the Niners you know, are very clearly the team to beat. They're the most complete team top to bottom. But, you know, things get crazy in these playoffs. You never really know. Yeah, it, it definitely does get crazy. It also is it is really interesting to maybe see the dynamic within the Cowboys. Like, look, I mean, they're back in this spot again. They're the two seed. They're, they were division champs. There's not much to complain about, but... I mean, the, Mike McCarthy will give you a lot of reasons to complain, it seems, uh, with yeah. how he does as a head coach. I wonder how much uh, pressure there is on that organization all of a sudden. I mean, look, Jerry Jones can be an oak sometimes and doesn't make coaching changes all that quickly. But is there pressure to make a certain round for this Dallas team in order for you to think maybe that they're still uh, heading in the right direction and, and trying to keep taking steps forward? Absolutely. And I think Jerry kind of set that tone right after the season ended. Um, you know, he said they're going to evaluate things kind of round by round. And for this Cowboys team, I think it's, I think it's the NFC title game. I think you got it. They haven't been there since 95 when they won that Super Bowl. You have to at least get to the NFC championship game. I think if you're Mike McCarthy to feel fully comfortable with your job, if they, if they drop, you know, they drop this one in the first round of the Packers, you know, Bill Belichick's, <laughs> we don't know what Bill Belichick's situation is. Um, you know, as, as good a job as McCarthy has done with this team, getting to the playoffs for, you know, three straight seasons, which is something, you know, they hadn't done in 25 years. Um, you know, you can't take that away from him. But that question is, is he the guy that's going to get them, take them all the way? And, you know, that's the Cowboys – view things differently as we know jerry views things differently that's that's all that matters um is that lombardi nothing else really matters so if jerry doesn't think he's that guy and you have a belichick sitting out there you have to think he's gonna he's gonna really heavily pursue that matt hamilton with fanduel tv here on the big show ktgr and ktgr.com and, and we talked a little bit about the lions i fascinated by their matchup as uh, matthew stafford and the rams face off against them in detroit with stafford coming back to where he played for a long time uh, seems like a fascinating game and, and and two offenses that are that are really clicking i, I wonder how you maybe see it and uh, whether there's a chance that the rams do in fact uh, pull off an upset that i think would shock some people yeah and i think uh, you know I think the Rams are starting, from what I'm saying, they're starting to become that kind of trendy pick to pull off the outset uh, because they've been so hot to end the season, because Stafford and that offense has been so explosive. Um, and it is it is such an interesting storyline, as you mentioned, with Stafford going back in there. But for golf, like, there's a, a, a lot of pressure, you know, hosting, you know, being the starting quarterback host in the first playoff game in Detroit in 30 years. And then you have the guy that, you were traded for coming in trying to knock you off. That was beloved by that fan base. It's it's 
it's hard to envision a situation that puts more pressure on a guy than Jared Goff. And, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how he handles that. You know, obviously these guys are all human, you know, that stuff factors in and, um, it's going to be an immense amount of pressure on golf. I think getting off to a quick, a fast start, getting in rhythm, building some confidence right out of the gates is going to be the key for them. Um, because otherwise, things can snowball a little bit. You know, nobody knows Jared Goff's strengths and weaknesses more than Sean McVay um, and, and putting together this game plan to face the Lions. So it is, to me, the most fascinating matchup we have on the schedule this weekend, and I'm, I'm so excited for it. I'm a big fan of everything golf has done this year. I kind of I, I want this one for him, you know, with everything that he went through with that trade, everything else. I think it'd just be an incredible story if he's able to pull this off and, and knock McVay and the Rams out of the playoffs. That would certainly be something, and all eyeballs will be on that uh, come uh, Sunday night between the Rams and the Lions as we start off uh, what should be an interesting playoff bracket in the NFL this year. And great to chat all things football with Matt Hamilton, producer and on-air host for FanDuel TV. You can find him on Up and Adams uh, every morning and also at on Twitter at MattHamilton25. Matt, thanks so much for coming on as always. Uh, enjoy the playoffs coming up, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Thanks for having me, Andy. Sounds good. Big, big thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. Here on the big show at 446 KTGR and KTGR.com. So that that was great. And uh, we're, we're going to keep getting to the news of, of Nick Saban retiring. Uh, we will get to more of that, but Under the Bus is coming up next. Maybe to us for seeing it a little late. I don't know, Brendan. Maybe, maybe we're doing we a show. There's no producer. Yeah, it's no. a lot of... Okay. There's a lot going on. I know. There's a lot going on. Uh, we didn't miss it by much. We do need to hear this rant by the Toronto uh, Raptors head coach from last night because, man, is it epic. That's coming up and under the bus next. You're listening to the Big Show Podcast on KTGR.com. Under the bus in a bit and the sweetest thing in sports coming up. Here with Andy and Brendan on the Big Show, KTGR and KTGR.com. We will get to more of our reaction to Nick Saban. Uh, retiring uh, today and um, what that means and what that could mean for uh, the future of college football, honestly. Uh, that's a big deal. We'll get to that coming up next hour. We'll also get to our top five, bottom five Super Bowl contenders next hour as well. If you want to give us uh, your thoughts on it, 875-KTGR is how you can do so uh, here on the show, and uh, we'll get to some of your thoughts uh, coming up as well. <laughs> It's time to go under the bus on the big show. To hear Jamar Chase on uh, on SportsCenter, I believe, today, both he and T. Higgins made like this joint appearance, I guess randomly, on SportsCenter in the middle of the day. Sure, um, why not? Sure, why not? They were asked, okay, who do you want to see in the Super Bowl? From the AFC, Jamar, you go first. And Jamar said, anybody but the Chiefs. Ooh, Wow. I mean, I know it's a rivalry and everything, but it, even while he's sitting on his couch, while his team's not in the playoffs, they're still in his head. Wow. Man. Yeah, it's it's unavoidable, isn't it? He, uh, yeah, he he's down bad. You know, yeah. he, he is. He's on the wrong side of the rivalry, and he feels that. So that's good, Under though. The bus. Yeah, it's, it's good to be on the right side of it, though. Did T. Higgins sign an extension with them? Because I don't. He probably didn't say anything because he's coming next year. Is well, he, um, 
I mean, he gave an answer. He gave more of a diplomatic answer. I think he said, like, oh, oh I yeah. think it'll be the Ravens or, you know, somebody else. And then, like, either the Niners or the Cowboys. Like, he gave the straight-up answer. He's a chief already. Right. <laughs> Love it. Love it. And uh, under the bus to, to Darko Ryakovich, the, um, I guess not under the bus to him, but under the bus to officiating. Here is the Toronto Raptors head coach going off on officiating yesterday. What happened tonight, this is completely BS. This is shame. Shame for the referees, shame for the league to allow this. 23 free throws for them, and we get two free throws in in the fourth quarter. Like, how to play the game. I I understand uh, respect for all-stars and all that, but we have star players on our team as well. How's possible is Scotty Barnes? who is all-star caliber player in this league. He goes every single time to the rim with force and trying to get, get uh, to, to the rim without flopping and, and not trying to get foul calls. He gets two uh, free throws for the whole game. How is that possible? How are you going to explain it that, that to me? I mean, wow, there's more of it. We don't have time for all of it. But he went off. So I take it the Raptors did not close out the Lakers I last night at a 10 they, o'clock start. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> the game was they started late, so I went to bed before it ended. But I, I guess mean, that's I'll make the way sure. I'll make no, sure they, that they I, did. Yeah, they didn't. I already. Uh, yeah. Okay. Very good. Uh, yeah. I, uh, thanks for checking me because sometimes you hear winning coaches uh, go off like that. Under the bus. But um, yeah, Darko just needed to air it out. That had the bitterness of defeat in his voice. Yeah. It's time for the sweetest thing in sports on the big show. Sweetest thing is with our friends at the Candy Factory. Celebrate those January birthdays at the Candy Factory in downtown Columbia. Online at thecandyfactoryonline.com. Well, yeah, the, the Chiefs playoff game is on Peacock on Saturday. And Charles Amenahu was one of the first Chiefs to say, man, that's whack. He, like, tweeted out on, on, on Twitter about um, the, the fact that it's kind of dumb. But he's doing the right thing. He is gifting... 93 month subscriptions to Peacock to a bunch of just NFL fans out there or Chiefs fans who want to watch. And so that's a very sweet thing from from Charles Amenahu to get that done. Doing his part, trying to make sure folks can watch the game. But of course, you can listen to it on the Zimmer Sports Network. That's uh, really what it's course. all about. Yeah. Uh, 96.7 KCMQ is where it's at. So you don't even need Peacock. So if Charles Amenahu doesn't select you, as uh, one of the 90 folks to get the Peacock subscription, 96.7 KCMQ is your friend. Up next, we'll talk more about the uh, the Nick Saban retirement and the top five, bottom five Super Bowl contenders heading into Wild Card Weekend. All coming up next on The Big Show.